0: Hey, this is The Moment. I'm Brian Koppelman. Thanks for listening. I'm really excited about this. Duff McKagan is my guest today. And um, wherever it is that you've sort of intersected with what Duff does, you have a certain relationship with him. You know, it depends on your age. It depends on what you're into. But like you could have been somebody who... Velvet Revolver was your favorite band because you followed Waylon into it. Or you could have been somebody whose Guns was your favorite band or you could be from Seattle or you could be someone who's listened to the Jim Rome show. And there's all sorts of ways you could have found Duff, but he's somebody who's been, you know, I've known your work for a long time, man. Um, When someone approached me about this, I was like, I got to read both books. So I read both books and you're a good writer. I'm curious about when there's a third one. You have a, a solo album out now and the solo album and the EP right before it, I think, are such powerful and gr- not just, first of all, they're a fucking blast to listen to, but also they are really um, about the, the moment we're living in, but they're about the moment we're living in, not in a folk music kind of a way, in still um, a rock and roll swaggery sort of way. And and they are really love the records, and I'm thrilled that, that you made them and, and we have them. So Duff,
1: thanks for being here, man. Man, thank you for that intro right yeah
0: man well it's true you know the books are super i want to talk. we'll talk about the books and stuff but here here i love um people who are autodidacts you know i was somebody i mean technically i guess you're not an autodidact because then you went to school a lot of it but there's a period of time where you started reading and you know i'm someone who grew up i had bad adhd i also have shared the anxiety stuff with you so which we'll talk about but which is why these records part why i like dig these records a lot you know because it's subtext um What were you reading, though, as you were writing this record? Like, what was in your brain as you were writing this record from the outside? And do the themes or vibe from what you're reading um, find their way in?
1: Yes. Um, Okay, right. So what was I reading? Uh, You know, so this record, Lighthouse, these are 10 songs from the actual 60 that I recorded that will be coming out so i read a few things but i my kind of go-to <laughs> yeah. for for word i don't know if it's even word usage I, I, but i i think it's a just the way he attacks is is cormac mccarthy and yeah. and i do i do dedicate the record to him he had passed i mean i got my tattoo i got the whole thing so just the way he attacks the american english language uh I I love and what he edits out, you know, you know, there's just words sitting on the editing floor. He edits that thing down to where one word can kick your ass, you know, in a, in a book like the road where the boy says, yes, when he finally understands the gun is for killing, you know, it takes you to your knees. So uh, Cormac, I mean, I read a lot of stuff. I, you know, uh, demon copperhead, which is a unique, I like I like um, uh, I mean I read all the light we cannot see. I read a lot of stuff. Um, Yeah,
0: Amy loved that book. I have it. My wife writes in a very my wife's a novelist too, and she writes. She is like uh, she writes fiction, you know, novels, but but um, ground down to the word, like almost like a poet. And it's interesting because McCarthy. It's interesting we talk about McCarthy, and I see it. I mean, because rock lyrics have to be so specific. And the meaning has to be so understood to the singer, and you work. You you're not a self indulgent writer when you write songs. You don't write. You know. You're not putting out ten minute songs as a solo artist. But also, McCarthy is willing to write three three pages and make you work to get there. Where and I think yeah. you know uh, by by that sort of way that he condenses and then the way he'll be expansive. And and do you think it's more of a for you when you're writing? well, you, I, I, I don't even mean like how it um like you're gonna necessarily in you know, a very, oh, this is an analog for this, but it's more just like what was running through your head as you were yeah. forming the okay. prism through which you were gonna see the world, you know?
1: Well, I take a lot from my travels. That sounds a little, little uh, fancy, but all, all I do is, and have been doing for 40 years is traveling. And even like in my drinking days in my twenties, I was always an observer. And I've been, I've been an observer since I was a little kid, the last of eight kids. I'd observe my older siblings. I'd observe the older people. I observe, and uh, o- often without comment, you know? And um, I think when I got my uh, gig as writing for the Seattle Weekly in 2004 or five or so, I was traveling with Velvet Revolver. Um, there was bigger subjects than just what was going on in Seattle, And sometimes I would broach those and sometimes, you know, that could be some political thing that I saw or whatever. But I think this more, I keep coming back to, there's a song called Forgiveness on the record. And it's kind of unspoken, you know, kind of about that divide that I truly believe was was more of a selling point on cable news Then in in all actuality, what was there? Because I was out there traveling and and I go to small towns on purpose, on tour. I go to Owensboro, Kentucky. I go to, you know, Hot Springs, Arkansas. I go to upstate New York, Utica. I go to places. um, And I go and stay in a Holiday Inn. This is why I'm on a big fancy tour, you know, and nobody knows who I am. And uh, I can take the you know little trolley that goes around the town, go to the coffee place and go into the antique shop. And if I'm with my wife, we're going to do more antiquing and we'll go to some little museum. And, you know, but you talking to people and not once have I ever been asked. Are you a Democrat or a Republican? Never once polite society, which we are. I have news for you. Maybe not on social media. But in face-to-face, I have seen no divide whatsoever. People just it, – it's kind of really nice for me to see. And I got tattoos. You know, people don't know who I am. I got tattoos and long hair, you know. Uh, I get treated fucking very nicely. And if you talk about something, you just start often with the weather, and it goes into something, you know, travels and the antique store. And, 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 man, I've just met – and this is over. 40 years. And when the in this divide thing they were talking about, I was purposely going to, you know, the museum that showcases uh dinosaurs uh being only five thousand years old and being on Noah's Ark. I
0: purposely right. go. You were going, questions. yeah, you're putting yourself in what some what some might think of as um enemy territory, right? Yeah. And um and yet, you were approaching it clearly in a different way, right? So, and oh, with an openness. But you said a few things that struck that struck me. Uh-huh. Well, one was this whole idea about you being an observer, because, and when you say divide, and, and when you talk the anxiety attacks and the things which are in on the EP and in Lighthouse on, on Lighthouse too the fact that you are a hyper-intelligent person and have sometimes been in worlds that don't reward that immediately. And I, I, I wonder if that sense of, of being an outsider creates, at times, this alienation and that separation is part of what happens, that anxiety fills that space because often kids who are young and, and a certain kind of smart are able to grok impermanence before everyone else and, and me- that, the, the, merely the knowledge of impermanence Makes it harder to relate just to your, to your peers. And you start standing back and observing, you know? Well, I'm going to get
1: on the couch here. And uh, I mean, you might, be, I've never looked at it this way. Uh, I'm not, you know, but I know observation. I remember when I was a little kid, people said, he doesn't talk. He doesn't talk. And I don't remember being non talkative, but my older brothers and sisters sure do. And, um yeah, I you know, I didn't get my first panic attack till I was 16, but I was kind of at the perfect time, you know, for all of that stuff to sort of hit a, a head, you know um, and uh, I do think a lot I do you know, maybe I, I can go through places non-judgmental, but I do think I try to think things through and try to think things from different angles when I read about the Civil War, for instance, I will read frigging 15 books on it from different angles, you know, and because somewhere in the middle there is the actual story. You know, we we grew up and went to school. We're taught this and that. I'm not saying what we're taught was wrong in the Civil War. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, you know, some things, the Mayflower, you know, these things. And then you kind of read about the Mayflower and you're like, oh, I don't know if they're running from the Church of England. It looks like the Church of England kicked them out for being too, too hardcore, you know? Maybe that's the truth. Yeah, well, but
0: and that kind of being that sort of drilling down stuff. I mean, it makes sense why you dig McCarthy too. Also McCarthy, who was able to defy labels, I think. And yeah. you know, when one read right, because you can't really call him postmodern, even though he he's not really a postmodernist, right? He's no. And yet, he's not an old-fashioned writer either. And it's really interesting when you think about trying to
1: fix him on that graph. It's hard to do it. Plus, he had no interviews, you know, so you couldn't get to know, you know, no no Twitter tweets, you know, none of this stuff. And he became, you know, kind of for me, like, like Prince and Iggy. They're on these magic little carpets, man. And we're just down here, and they're they're up there doing their thing, floating. You know. But I
0: wonder if, like the you know, those stories in, in your book, the first book about you know your little criminal past. But beyond that, this sort of not really finding a sense of place till so you're behind the drums in that one gig, and then you form a band. and each time, that seems like okay. I can I can kind of marry. I can find an a, a, an identity somehow. And it seems like this search for the identity that, that really fits you right has been g- going on and you've tried different versions of it to kind of get to the, the heart of it. And, and, and that it's only in throwing yourself into books or music or your family that, that you almost feel connected to something as opposed to standing back. Right. I find that throughout the work too. Uh, I mean, let me be your light, you know, please be like the lighthouse whole idea. For me, uh, yes, to a woman, for sure. But it's also an idea about finding some North Star that you can
1: follow, right? Something. Uh, Call it hope. hope. Call call it goodness. Call it whatever you want. But that is a theme that I recognized in, when I tell you I go and talk to people in coffee shops and stuff. I'm not like some roving reporter. I'm just a guy who's interested in Going to Owensboro, Kentucky, because it's on the Ohio River. And, well, let's check it out. You know, hey, they got a mural of, of, of uh, 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 Johnny Depp. Why do you guys have a mural? He's from here. Hey, who knew that? You know, cool. Uh, but um, but the theme of I think everybody's looking for that little piece of goodness. You know, I recognize that in people. That's the thing I choose to recognize in people. Maybe. And so I can see it, you know, so goodness, hope, you know, peace, calm, being cool. You know, I I think that is just 99 and percent of this planet, humanity. And yet,
0: so that's what you're after. And that's what the hope is. And that's sort of the the promise of what's possible as a human. But, you know, man, like when you listen to your work and the lyrics you wrote right from the beginning and now, and the book, you are someone who jousts with ennui and this idea of impermanence. And you know, your book's filled with death. You thought you were gonna die at 30. These songs are about these, what are panic attacks, if not moments of recognition of impermanence. And so I gotta say like, how does that affect the art you make? Like basically, Is the art for you, is the doing, the writing, is that in itself an act of kind of defiance of the ennui? Or as you're writing, are you trying in the writing to make peace with it? Like, because it's there, your shit's suffused with ennui and with the possibility of transcending it.
1: That has to be in some way conscious. So how do you think about it? Absolutely. Am I trying to make peace and am I trying to, Nudge things over into the. Hey man, this is going to be okay. I hope is what I don't put. You know, um. You know, I I think I have a little bit of a voice. You know, I'm I'm not a huge pop star or whatever, but I have a little bit of a voice that people. I've written a couple books and I've written those bunch of those columns, and I'm I'm in these bands that people and uh, tenderness was my first my last record was my first really kind of venture into this acoustic driven more direct sort of lyrics but uh, but bigger about they're not songs are not about me it's not oh i feel so heartbroken it's none of that over you you know that's a lovely song too you know but i don't write those songs right now <clears throat> um, i'm kind of about a wee and and I think maybe my little bit of a voice. Uh, I think maybe some people trust it. That's cool. If you trust my voice, come along on this ride with me, and and see if you don't agree. And uh, if not, there's there's, there's dialogue in, the, in the, these records, and you know uh, that that might help you along. Um, and I, I'm not trying to be. I'm not, I'm not on a crusade. I'm not on a Crusades—the wrong thing because crusades were awful. Yeah, uh, I know. Don't, I, 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 campaign, yeah. campaign. But uh you know, words
0: are as you know because you know words change their meaning. So when we say crusade now, we don't think of the crusades, and I think it's fine. But I appreciate it. I appreciate you knowing that I knew, so we're good. But yeah. uh, don't, but don't trouble. <laughs> we don't like. I've become. I was such crusades are awful. Oh my! I was God. yes, but from ling- language, I was such a prescript like a prescriptivist for a really long time. But like the truth is language changes and we have to become a little bit descriptivist in understanding it. So while it yeah. kills me that the word literally has changed its meaning, I do accept <laughs> that it has and I've stopped judging people when they use it for the new meaning because how do they know, dude? They're younger than us. They're kids. That's just the way they grew up. So, Literally. Right, but literally, first meaning. But literally. First meaning. First meaning yeah. of literally. Um, but, But, all right, how do you think about See, when you said the thing about the, I know what you mean about the more acoustic records. And even though the treatment of these, you know, and it's, yes, it's the stonesy in a certain way, that version, but it's, there's also these elements of like the kind of Lenny K garage rock and Jim Carroll. Yeah. yeah, and I, Jim, Jim Carroll, which touches Iggy, but I love Jim Carroll. And I feel like there's that sort of, um, because the way, you know, Jim, if you think about how Jim used words, but then there was always this stonesy guitar behind it. And yeah. it does feel like that little section of the 70s that people don't talk about that much. It's kind of like a more melodic version of Iggy because I know how much you love, love Iggy, but melody yeah. wasn't really his, that wasn't sure. really where he, he lived. So how do you think about tone like and voice um, and point of, of view? I'm not talking about lyrical point of view for a second, but how do you think, is that part instinctive or do you think to yourself, okay, I want to basically use a trio or four-piece. I want it to feel this kind of vibe. How does that part happen?
1: Um, OK, so musically speaking, and, and where does it come from? Where do these? I, I don't intentionally do anything. Uh, I don't have a preconception. I might write a song downstairs in my living room, which is where I write on my acoustic guitar, and you hear all the bells and whistles. Like, man, this is going to be like the best ELO song if, if it comes all the way through, you know, with the drum sound and all that stuff. Um, but it, it never turns out that way. Um, but I think the root of it is what I learned from 13 to 16, 17, as far as songwriting goes, and that's watching and listening, watching The Clash in 79, pre-London Calling, and the message and the three chords and the message. And we're on... And, the subtext was, we're all in this together. I'd seen Led Zeppelin in 77 at the Kingdom. I love Led Zeppelin, but they were so far away, and there was no screens or anything back in those days. And they Led Zeppelin would play on a small stage, and they would group together. So you're at the Kingdom, You can barely make out what's going on, and they're going to fly out on their Led Zeppelin plane. You know, you hope. That's what they're doing, because they, too, are on those magic carpets. But it was... I thought that's there was there was us and then there was Led Zeppelin or there was Queen or you know what I mean, and then I got you know introduced into punk rock and Stooges and MC Five and early Alice Cooper you know like things that were but the punk rock and the Clash especially I think uh, word wise like subject matter wise and, and message uh, really influenced me that was 13 to 16 or 17 and i think these songs that i write uh, and i you know did it a bunch with loaded but this is more i'm letting my acoustic guitar sitting against my chest really inform me of where to sing don't try to push something out like you did with loaded and sing it an octopire and scream it like sing these songs in this in this lower you know sometimes i go a little high but you know just let the guitar No, it's a
0: conversation it is no it's that kind of it's it's melodic but it really melodic but it is this conversational thing in your chest voice really there telling the story but that's conscious you're you're and 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 with that comes because it's not an el it's not an uh elo or elp record it's you know um a shambly rock and roll album right um and uh boozy even though it's not boozy but you know what i mean it's still got yeah. that great thing happening so and that's all part of the way you consciously want to carry this message right that music because it's that music that hit you at that age is still the thing that's most comfortable for you most
1: natural yeah that's for what you. it is that's what it is it's the most comfortable natural and what i know and if you sped these songs up and you know put they're, they're punk rock songs, you know. Really, at the root, even like to me, punk rock means a whole ethic. It, it's not even. I, I said speed it up. Forget it, I just said that. Uh, it's an ethos. It's the way I raised my girls. It's the way I got sober. It's the the way I've always thought. And it's like tell the truth, you know. Be a badass. Tell the people around you that you love them, and uh, and you know head up chest 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 up you know head straight let's go um and and i think uh that message you can play it in all kinds of different music but that's how it plays to me you know just tell the truth and and you can have humor you know god on 10th street's some, supposed to be funny you know i mean there's stuff that's supposed to be funny and you stuff.
0: always i mean everything you do always has a sly sense of humor as part of it even you know that's I mean, that's just part of the mix of of what you do, right? So, yeah. When you write these songs or when you get an idea, when you get a groove, do you ever... How do you know, okay, I'm going to save this bit for a band I might work with because you've done so much band stuff, not just with Guns N' Roses, but so much of that stuff. Yeah. How do you know, okay, this little melody and riff and idea feels right for me. I should play this one for Slash. I should not. I should play this one for. How do you, or is that not in your head at all? Are you just like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a Duff project now. How does that work for you?
1: Man. Okay, so if, if you could see my screen, if I could share you my screen on my iPad, which I'm talking to you on right now, um, I have a thing called GarageBand, and yeah. I just hit the microphone, I, I have my acoustic guitar with me at all times, on the road, everywhere. It's my uh, panic attack killer, it's my everything, but I, I just love to play, have the guitar in my lap. And I'll write songs, there's there's all these, I call them my, my crappy demos. They're all on my iPad. Uh, I've shared my crappy demos only with a couple of people, Slash being one, like because he, he knows where I'm that trying to sense. get the song, or or Martin, my producer, um, my crappy demos. So I will label them, you know, with a question mark, GNR, right. or or Iggy, or you know, Ozzy. But in, most of them for me, I wrote a song called Amen. I, I just, it just all came to me. And it was when that, you know, everything went down in Gaza, and Israel, like that day, we're, we're like watching, I was on the road, watching TV and just heartbroken. And, uh, you know, I've read so much history about that area, dating back pre, you know, Christ and all that. But like, that area has just been under siege for ever you know, and this isn't. I guess you don't get surprised anymore if it's happened a million times. You know, um, but but heartbroken you can be. You can well, be heartbroken. In man. fact, if
0: you're not heartbroken uh, a little bit by this stuff, uh, when you see kids in these situations, you're Who? there's something there's something broken. No, but when you it's so interesting. So like you just casually. So I wrote said a song that.
1: called Amen. Amen. And I, sent it, I sent it to Slash, and I said, "This is a gun song." This is right. a Civil War. This is a new Civil War, you know, song, type of song. Civil War is a Guns N' Roses song. I, no, of life. course.
0: I, I, no, I, Those of you out there yeah. listening
1: who might not know. Yeah. I'm not saying this is a new Civil War.
0: Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, I see. Yes. Uh, got, yes, of course. So that's it. You wrote that and that was like, oh, this feels like that vibe. And yeah. then, from, from a, you know, um, you said a bunch of shit. So one, one is, you know, I casually mentioned the thing about Duff being um, someone who's gone and sort of read a lot. But one of the things in your, you know, the thing you just casually said about, that's how I got sober. I'll say we've, everyone's read or, or watched a bunch of the, those sobriety stories, but but the way that you approached the second time you got sober, um, it, it's your first book. I know you you like, we're talking about your record, but I do think your first book is really worth people reading. The second book's fun, and it's a very specific thing. I can't recommend it as you wouldn't either as widely as the first one because the first one is really your story. I mean, it's your story. Um, And uh, that moment, though, of you really coming fully clean is really brave and brave the way that you depict it as a writer. And that shit's hard to write. Like, when you were writing that book, because it's the same thing about songs, how much rewriting do you do on both of these areas? How much do you trust that you got the – spirit of it down in the beginning, but then you want to make sure that you refine the pros. Like, how does that work for you?
1: Yeah, all of that, what you just said. Uh, the spirit will carry you. You know, I, I've i had, I wrote a lot on planes. I wrote, a, uh, like, I write
0: on planes. There's so much, mo- the you're in that weird in-between place. I write so much on airplanes. Yeah.
1: Long flights are the best. Like, I'm going to get 4,000 words on this flight, no matter what. That's what was my goal. So when you when you push yourself like that, you you, you, you hope you got the spirit you pr- maybe try to prethink it a little bit what you're gonna write about and then go. Um, I mean uh, as far as editing, you know I mean there were a lot of times my, my girls were small when I wrote this book and there were oftentimes you know our family were close like physically close <laughs> like yeah. I would have a girl on one side of me and a girl on the other side on the couch. They're watching cartoons and I'd be writing. And I would write a whole missive where you know those stories you tell yourself um to make yourself feel a little better. We all do it, man. And I, I learned this on steroids when I was writing my book. I'm like, that's not how that happened. You've been telling yourself that's how it happened the oh. whole time. Oh yeah. Yeah, right. Of course. It's human nature. It's gotta be human nature. oh especially because- for professional storytellers especially
0: for people who are storytellers you don't even notice yet yeah, the core it's not even and sometimes you know it might be it even may the way you tell it makes yourself look worse and then you realize oh wait i actually got hurt i actually i was wounded in that instance and i have to actually Absolutely. honor that and tell the true thing of being wounded which you're really um you know that there's this moment in the book where you talk about something that i i don't know some stuff in rock and roll history is in there but you know, the idea that Waylon wanted to write the words and take credit for it on the second record. And, like, you could just unpack so much with that of all the pathologies that were at play and how the spot you'd gotten yourself in to try to save this guy who refused to be saved and really potent um, yeah. and all around. You know, I'm sure it's still brutal for you. But, man, you on the songs, do you do the same thing? That's what I was trying to get to, which is... Yeah. Uh, do you revise verses do you do you, will you go back to a tagline and go oh it's almost right um and ha- because in a band you're kind of forced to do that because a guy goes i think that line could be, i mean not even politely a guy goes i think we might make that line better or they just fucking do it when it's you and you have total control over it how do you apply I'm- that kind of rigor what's your process to rewrite
1: um right because i don't have that so <laughs> right so you record like in my case 60 songs right just martin and i mostly just just he and i i mean it was covid there was nobody else around mean my wife i'm not going to bring my stuff home and go hey what do you think of this that would be exhausting for you her you
0: can't have it all about you all the time in that way no yeah. no
1: no so i i never play i mean once in a while she'll go hey what was that thing you you uh you wrote did you did you record that? Oh well, and I'll play it. Oh yeah, that's great. Um but uh but as far as revising um lyrics like I'll write a song long Feather is a song on lighthouse
0: and really yeah, terrific song. I, Second song I, I, on the I, album, I, I, yeah, great.
1: Right. So oh long feather is home. Okay, what that means something. I know innately something's trying to tell me a story. And I'll have this Uh, won't you be my lighthouse that was a a, it just came out um it's not a underused term this lighthouse in many you know songs i guess probably and uh but this was this is about susan and this is about i can tell the direct story of susan and i you know in i love sailing crashes and books and stuff and i you know and i put it in there we live on the water, I you know it could all makes sense to me. Um, but I I, I found that light, light, lighthouse that terminology I used when I wrote the first three chords, and then I filled in the story. I was like, oh, it's telling me it's also about not like I'm some soothsayer. It's telling me I sound like I'm a, a precious. I don't mean to be precious about this. It just sometimes you got to trust your innate self and it was trying to tell me like write this song because it's about a greater hope and it's about finding good you know and i found my good with susan but this can parlay into people listening to this and i want to find my lighthouse my lighthouse is my mom my lighthouse is you know my dog whatever you know
0: yes and then when that process happens and you finally, like Lawrence Block basically says he hardly rewrites because each paragraph, he basically, when he finishes each page, he's rewriting as he goes. And there are other people who oh, will wow. go back and revise. So do you, do you um, like uh, then look at it again the next Like So you've done that process. So first this instinctive oh, right. thing, right? These words come out, they tumble. Then you go, okay, what does that mean? And then you chase the concept down. Yeah. And then is that it, it's done? Or do you go through one more sort of like, look at the syntax?
1: <laughs> it's rarely done no right there i agree that's my approach too yeah, yeah yeah you know um i put out what i feel are the very best combinations of words that i could come up with at that point after many other words and phrases being used and i'll come back in and look at something i wrote the day before and am like this is awful how oh, did yeah. you how did you get on to this one and I'll I'll uh i oh, there's a good bit there. So there's a good line there all right just trash the rest of it and let's go and uh, it depends on you know how much coffee you've had like are wow, you're feeling that moment what kind of spirit comes to you like you said when you're writing you know you, the spirit will come to you and you like you're in it and it rolls sometimes it d- does just roll. Uh, uh, those, are the, uh,
0: those are the days you live for, dude. Yeah, that's. Those the are best. the days, like, of course, but like done.
1: that's. I wrote. You know. I wrote the song. Uh, you were talking about the EP. Uh, the song called "This Is the Song." That's an incredible song. I wrote song. that. Yeah. I, I wrote the music and lyrics, literally in a panic attack. But it came out like that. It was done. Those lyrics were the ones.
0: Yeah, that's an amazing thing when that happens, and all of us have. I have scenes that I've. You know, most of the time I write scenes, and I, I, I go back the next day, and it's exactly that thing of. Fuck! Is there a line that I can keep? Oh yeah, there's one. And it's weird too because when you write it, you're sure it's brilliant. Like that moment, you're you're so full, and then the next, it takes me about 24 hours to then look at the thing and go, "Okay, nobody sounds like a human being." Now what do I do? You know. But then yeah. once in a while, you re- it's an incredible thing when you look back and you go, "Well, okay, that's actually just what it's supposed to be." That's rare though. Uh, TV writing. I mean,
1: TV. What you do is is a uh, that's a whole different animal. That that thing. Especially you have you have a living and breathing thing. You're not. It's like not a thing that's coming. a Hopeful thing that you get green lit. You got a thing that's. You I mean, know, it's
0: all I've happy. done. I mean, you know. But obviously, 25 years of it, I've done all the sides of it. And yeah, each thing. Yes, the time pressure, as you know, the, the weirdly deadlines and that kind of thing can help you not waste the time of yeah. fucking around with the ba- like because you you kind of go, all right, you're going off the. Re-. You can kind of bring yourself back if yeah. you haven't done it. It's hard to. Exp- I know you know what I'm talking about. Duff, dude, what you keep talking about is throughout your stuff. Like you obviously, this idea, I don't want to say it in a way that's overstated, but Like, it's important to you, the service aspect of what you do, the fact that you're trying to bring some peace to people. Yourself first, right? Artists always serve themselves first. You have to. But that part of it is this idea about humanity that you carry around with you. You know. But I wonder, personally, your books and and the music, Forgiveness, it's like you're not somebody who doesn't remember the wounds. You clearly remember the wounds. And yet it seems to me you find ways— To understand, if not forgive, you know, and uh, how much of that is a practice? Like, you know, I I wouldn't have to rehash the specifics of it, but like, you know, when you signed away certain things at a certain point, you felt it wasn't right, you know, a whole series of things have to happen to make somebody go, okay, I can move forward. And I'm wondering, it's very hard, I find, in life to do that for people most of the time, right, to really do it. In a true spirit. So, what's that practice of something like that? Because you know, as a as a as a, a reader, a fan, I read that, and I'm just like, I would have just said, "Fuck you, forever." But you were like, "No, I can transcend this thing." And I'm I'm really interested in what that looks like internally.
1: I mean, okay, so you know, I went through certain things. Everybody goes through their shit. You know, the things that I went through. Um, that that kind of speak to this are being an early punk rocker kid in a town that's not, you know, not used to punk rockers walking down the street and getting beat up for being a punk rock, quote unquote, you know? Uh, And I knew these guys beat me up. There'd always be, you know, group of them. They were from the fraternity or whatever, you know what I mean? At the, at the university. Um, I knew these guys were wrong they were they were f- fearful of so i knew it then man at 13 yeah. you're fearful, i know you
0: did i know you did i, I know I listened
1: I to- to your music i listened to all the music and i'm i'm so well versed in music you guys are beating up just a, a fear of something so i kind of would laugh at it. like you know what of course you know like i've had later in life like I've met one of the, you know, and I know one of the guys who had beat me up, man. I always loved your band. I always loved what you did. Yeah, no, you didn't, but that's cool. You know, that's what he's telling himself. He forgot about the beating up the punk off. Um, but that that's kind of like step one for me, like transcending that. And They just don't know. They just don't know. I've got a black guy. I don't really care. It looks cool. Fuck it. You know, Um, but coming out of, um, when I was thirty, getting it coming out of my kind of dark malaise of, of alcoholism and, and drug addiction. I mean, really being in a wet card, cardboard box, I couldn't punch my way out of. Trying to find a way, um, and then I had a you know a pancreas failure, yeah. and that sent me into uh, uh, a phase of my life where you you drink if you survive this, <laughs> if you you can't you know you drink you you got expose pancreas you're gonna die. So I, and I'd see my mom in the hospital. That was a turning point for me. Um, first day and second day. And I had tubes running in and out of me. I'm the youngest of eight kids. She has Parkinson's in a, in a wheelchair. And I just, whoa, my world just tilted. Like I should be taking care of her. What the fuck, dude? What the fuck? Um, you should not, she shouldn't be coming here crying over her youngest son. I'm going to change this. I'm going to change it. And I, I, for me, luckily, I got, fortunately, luck had nothing to do with it. Fortune smiled on me and introduced me to Benny. Sensei Benny. Benny. Yeah. And um, Yukita Khan, the Yukita Khan way is, like in Longfeather, I say, today is a good day to die. Um, and that comes from Benny and his teachings of me and, and Native American teachings and... Uh, uh, and Yukita come which is telling people you love them, like punk rock. It was right. so yeah. punk rock, being honest, being truthful, uh, dealing with your stuff in your past and looking at it and forgiving and moving on. And, and, and now it's time to start kicking ass. So I had all of this. And this one didn't just happen in a day. This took,
0: you know, year and well yeah there's a great microcosm moment when um when you uh the guy ends up suing you you do the nice thing with the hospital and the phone call and then the you know um that guy ends up then trying to sue you and you're so aware of all those dynamics like the ex-boyfriend crazy thing and like uh you you see it in those small ways but the empathy the key thing there is it's often a thing with gifted children and uh not that I was gifted child or anything, but I have talked to my, you know, that idea of you at the same moment, this bad, at the same moment the world's kind of acting out because you're able to understand these social dynamics in a way that's beyond what you're supposed to. You were able to, this moment, I I know you're not kidding. Like someone might hear it. Like I actually, from personal experience, no, you're not kidding. You could at the same moment, carry the empathy for the perpetrator doing the thing to you. And that speaks to this thing we started with about that writer thing of being off to the side. That's a very, it, It's a very difficult way to go through life. It's useful, but it's very difficult also, right? Because you're never truly in the moment because you're also understanding the moment, processing it as it's happening and above and away from it. I often talk about it like you walk into a bar with a group of guys who just watched the game and everyone's and and you might get swept up for a second in it but you're also i imagine really aware oh these people are excited about this thing and you're right you're noticing all of that instead of being just in it right
1: i mean like you said i can be in it for for i mean i don't know how you've read so i mean i'm not saying all of what you're saying is true um uh, but what, I would what were you saying? To, you don't know how I read what? <laughs> I don't know. In the, in the, whatever, but my, my brain, but, um, cause you know, it, at the same moment, you know, you also t- taught me walking into that same bar and the guy who's drunk and says you bumped him and wants to take a swing. You also can see the whole thing. And you're not getting caught up in the emotion of it. And you know what that happens? That de-escalates. I'd rather not get in a fight. I know from my martial arts, I'm gonna be fine in a fight. That's not the thing I'm fearful of.
0: But that's the growth right I there, right? That's the it. but that's the yeah. space of actual growth because you used to, you know, like so that moment, that's beautiful, right? And I guess yeah. that's and I guess that speaks in a way to this idea that you can go through life and even if people have have through their What is it? It's a way of understanding, well, in their position, who they were at that time. They couldn't live without X, Y, without me having to sign what I, so, okay, I can, if I can understand that, I can then move past it. Is that what goes on for you?
1: Absolutely. You know, absolutely. And and, and, um, the guy in the bar, you know, I know he's fearful of something, something else happened, had nothing to do with me. I'd rather not Getting a fight and then lawyers, you know all that other stuff. I'm thinking way ahead of the situation. I'm like, "No, man, you're right. I bumped you. My bad." And, and you move. You, on. And do and you think you, that's I, part I of why? No, yeah, you, I got no like. Uh, I'm not losing self-esteem. I'm not losing. Oh man, guy was gonna kick my ass because I just don't, don't think that's probably true. <laughs> you know. Yes. Um, so and I and I love to spar in the in the in the. In the uh mm-hmm in the gym and do all that stuff so fighting i all have that all out of me you know i used to like you were about to say i used to like to fight you know i i was a guy who liked to scrap yeah i don't know why that was you know grew up growing up fighting with my brothers or something you know like it was kind of easy for me like you want to you want to fight me you know i'd be drunk and like no problem uh let's go but then i learned like um I don't know, just you're talking about empathy and thinking and and a kind of a wider knowledge was something maybe I always had and had from the punk rock. You know, a lot of things when I was drinking and on drugs in my 20s, I just let go by the wayside and I was pretty dedicated world champion. I like to be good at what I do. And I was a world champion drinker and and drug ticker, you know, Uh, but after that was done, I really... I'm grateful for what I've learned in, in Yukita Khan, my martial art. And uh, I, I it, and it marries completely perfectly in with my punk rock stuff I learned. And it's been great at being a father, husband, a bandmate, I mean, friend. That, yeah, that
0: makes sense. No, that makes sense. You know, the band thing in general, like that story in the book, which is almost like one of those quests, like um, out of a Joseph Campbell, right? Uh, the moment... When, when you guys are trying to get to Seattle and the truck driver from hell stops and takes you guys and all that stuff. But if you think about it, right? I know it's a true story, mm-hmm. but the myth of that speaks, I think, because, okay, why do you want to fight when you were young? I mean, this is not dime um, store psychology, but like, honestly, for someone who's, at times is a hard time getting the fullness of his being understood, it's very easy. You really understand each other when you're punching each other. Yeah. Uh, Right? So that's a very direct sort of a, a thing. Yeah. But also a guy who's out there alone, like in the myth of the West, you know, um, Bad that Black Rock, the one guy who who kind of sees what's going on. This power for you. I wonder about how you slice this, like the, the solo thing versus the band thing. And it's not just that Guns N' Roses is one of the biggest and greatest bands of all time. It's that you get something really. You, Duff, it seems out of them being a part of that myth, of the connection of the group um being the strongest thing, like you do with your family, right? Yeah. Clearly. Yeah. And that story is about the forging of the magnificent five, right? The magnificent yeah. it, it, um, consciously, I think. So 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 do you when you're when you're doing the solo shit, I know it gets this other thing out. But it does seem the way you write in the book, even the moment you get to get in the studio with Iggy and be part of that band or each time being in the van with the other band, it seems like in both the second book, you talk a lot about that. What do you get out of that whole, that whole thing of the joining up?
1: Well, that's all I ever wanted. You know, once I first uh, started playing music, it was first like with the older brothers and sisters, but the first like punk rock band we formed, I was playing bass and my friend Andy was playing drums and this guy, Chris Crass was playing guitar and singing. And, uh, uh, that, that idea of a band like we can go we can do anything we can conquer you know many things doing this this band and i i think i was always on the search that wasn't the perfect band chris krass was you know, you know went a little nuts and then moved on to the next thing and and there was always a band that was so close and 10 minute warning my last band in seattle was so close to being the full thing and when i found Guns of road the five guys, uh, the magnificent five. I will agree with you. I've never heard it put that way, but that is right. Um, it was like, oh man, every this is this is the thing I've been looking for. I wasn't looking to become a drunk or a alcoholic or get chicks or what. You know, I was looking for that perfect band, um, and uh, there's some sort of romance to it for me. There's men like you were saying before, like some guys got a better line. To be in a band where you you don't take offense to that because you know it's going to be a better song. You can trust that guy so much, oh, um, yeah, it's yeah. Amazing. So it's like this group thing that's that's you know the group is better than than any you know uh, in, in a good band. The group is much better than any solo person. You know, sometimes there's been you know uh, solo guys have come out of bands and been amazing, but um, there's Queen. And there's Led Zeppelin, and there's, you know, no, that don't all makes sense.
0: There's already there's REM, you know. I mean, yeah, I I I, right. I, I agree. There's that great moment you, you write about where, at first, you know, you're not gonna just join a band with Slash and Steven, right? And so, it's all interesting. Right. Uh, you were looking. you did have something in your head. And it's that solo artist part of you too, which was, well, okay. I guess this is the question. It does seem like you learned how to have a sense of your own value, which most people go through life. Now, even when you were fucked up and not an overinflated sense of your own value either. I'm not saying that I'm saying a sense of like, if I'm going to bring all that I have to contribute to something, it's got to really be worth it. Like whether that means a bicycle (laughs) Or the right dojo, or a group of people, and is that innate? Do you think, or did that come from your, you know, the family background? Like th- this idea of there's something innate in me that I have to offer, and I'm going to be careful about how I offer.
1: I have no idea. Fair.
0: That's None. totally fair. But it's it. I say re- it's really interesting. How do you decide when you're going to make a solo record, though? Like um, as opposed to doing this, is not with guns. But you know, you've often made bands. So how did you decide this time, okay, I just want to do this as Duff, not as a band?
1: Right. So in all this stuff you're saying, you, you, like I never have these grand plans and these future, like I don't plan stuff out. I yeah. just don't. Yeah. I, I try to live every day as it is. Today was a great day because my wife and I both got up and did Wordle and kicked its ass, you yeah. know? She's new into Wordle. You get it in three? got it in two today all right that's tough good job yeah i got it in two today that doesn't happen very often as you know once i got in one i tried movie as my first word and it was movie
0: yeah but then that's that's just that's not i agree two is very satisfying three is still satisfying four is a disaster but i
1: started i started with stare today
0: s-t-a-r-e
1: and got worse got you there
0: yeah yeah anyhow
1: enough of that nerdy stuff um which isn't that nerdy. It's oh, fucking great. Yeah. yeah. Connections uh, is
0: great too. I'm playing Connections I'm, every day. I'm down.
1: I'm I love down.
0: Connections. It's awesome. Yeah. All right. Go ahead. Yeah. So, so wait. So like today was a good day, you were saying. You don't plan. But but you did decide to make this solo not with a group of musicians, a band. Right. That so was a band. How
1: that, the, how that started, I had songs. Uh, when I made Tenderness, I had another like 10 songs. That Okay. Well, those will be next. And and um, for whatever. And, and like you said, you you asked we talked about before. I do have songs on my crappy demo list for everybody. You know, in my mind, they're perfect songs for everybody. Just let me do this guys, you know, in my mind. Of uh, course. Um but uh recording uh, I started I got my new studio just before covid 6 months uh, here yeah, in Seattle perfect. 4 minutes from my house. Perfect. So convenience yeah. is yeah. great, I am parking. You know, all these things make my studio and the sound in the studio, acoustic guitar in my studio sounds majestic, and, and the drums sound great, and everything sounds great, and the vibe in there is great. And there's a rumor that the the Beatles did a backing vocal there in 1966. I'll
0: go with it. Yeah, let's let's
1: let's assume it's true for the sake yeah, of that. yeah. When they played Six Stadium, I'm going for it. That that's it. So um, so I started to record some songs. Sometimes I, like this will be a demo for somebody else. But the studio sounds so good. I'm telling uh, that's you. That's great. That, that makes total like, sense. Yes. Like, uh, well, this is uh, going to be a me song. And, 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 and then I went down to L.A. to start rehearsing for South America, a big run that Guns was going to do. And then COVID hit. You know, we went and played the first show, Mexico City, and then the world just stopped. And yeah. we, I rolled all the way back to Seattle, got our daughters here. Everybody was here. Uh, waiting for these two weeks to be over was turned into four weeks, and then you know, Dad, how long is this going to be? Uh, I,
0: I know, I, I shot. Uh, we shot production mid, like the middle of an episode. So yeah, right, you yeah yeah yeah, middle of an
1: episode, didn't you? Yeah
0: yeah yeah. That's it. so I under yeah I understand it
1: with me mm-hmm. with the the band and live audiences. That was is this ever going to be happening again? We don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. So I rolled back into my studio, which is just Martin and I, and. Just went for it and just started recording, and and uh, that's when I knew it was going to be for me because there was nobody else around.
0: Yeah, right. It was just that's just what the thing was going to be for sure. And
1: yeah. do you
0: like doing that touring as as you like touring with a band that you put together to just play your songs? Is that fun?
1: It's more, you know, what it's more like for me. Um, it's more like a book reading. Yeah, so I, I play a small like. Where are you at? New York. You're in New York, so I played Irving Plaza. Right, right. So that's a really intimate, and it was packed and was great. And to have a packed Irving Plaza, who knows every word to every song and is and is buying into it, um, into that sort of philosophy of what uh, you know the artist is putting out. I mean, th- it's kind of more like a book reading to me. I, I get I've that. I just all...
0: did. I just did. Um, Getty Lee just asked me to be one of the. Uh... Oh. So okay. I just did it with him. We did uh, the Met in Philly, you know, 2,500 people. And uh, I interviewed Getty in this giant thing. I, I rode to Philly with him and back. So we, I, and he, oh, nice. it was, oh, it was awesome. So I love him. I love Getty. He's one of the greatest guys and, you know, not bad on the old bass guitar either. No, uh, no, no, no. You'll like his book. If you haven't read the book, it's good. The book's good.
1: I'm going to read his book. Yeah.
0: Really different than yours. Like you, obviously, cause you guys lived very differently. <laughs>
1: You guys live right. very different rock and roll lives.
0: But yeah. you know what? He did so, I'll say this. It was one of the things we talked about on stage, Duff. The guy did so um, so much coke, which you never would think. He did so much oh. cocaine, which, but you know, not, not yeah. He talks about how it openly. High and, how do you sing high I, like that? Dude, it's face? so, but it, it explains certain songs suddenly. like. And he's like, how did you guys not figure? He goes like, how did you guys not figure out Obviously, there were periods of time we were fucked up. You could be nerds. He's like, you could be nerds and still do rails. It was, he's like, I was still a rock star. <laughs> he's like, I was still a rock star, man. It's you'll really like wow. the book because it's hilarious. Hey, have you read? I want to know if you ever read Neil pertzs the book of Neil's The One You Should Get. I just think you personally, I'll say this to the audience too, because I'm never going to get the the Neil wrote a book after the tragedies. Like, so yeah. and he he got on his motorcycle, and he just went. Whole, like basically almost the whole like as much of the world that you can cover on the bike like down all the way and then all the way up high um
1: you will uh, just from I, read, I, I, you'll of love that i've book. heard about the book um you know it, it's funny i don't read very many uh like rock, rock rock and roll i know it's not a rock and roll book um so here's that that one might I've that read that one
0: I, it's not rocket no of course it's not but I'll just say for you having read your shit I think I think he was yeah. cuz Neil's not it's also it's not a co- Neil really you know you could feel that's a yeah. guy writing a it's a yeah. guy writing a book who cares a lot about words but the what he went through it's very like you because the way he had to heal himself by doing basically right, he had to heal himself by doing a very solitary thing right I think I don't know. I have a feeling you might get something out yeah. of it. I could just couple more questions. Um, yeah. All right. I, this is an interesting one because you're the perfect thing about this. Um, so like you've had financial security for a long time and I know the ways in which that can be a blessing, but I also wonder what it complicates. Like, I don't just mean interpersonally like friends. Uh, that's not what I mean at all, but I mean the way in which being financially secure can intersect with ambition and make you sometimes like, uh. you know what I mean? How do you, does it, does it,
1: affect you in any way um okay well i guess you know like i never started off like what did i say uh i wanted to be in a good band didn't i didn't want to do you know it wasn't about getting drunk or yeah. getting our chicks or and it was about making money of course right never wasn't about of course. so yeah. now listen um i i i like making money it's great because i i know what it does for Actually, it's the other way around. I, I I can be more creative, not having to worry about, fuck, man, is this going to last me? What am I going to do? Do I got to take my degree and get a job in the financial world? Jesus Christ, I don't want to do that. You know, I don't have those thoughts going through my head. Um, I can be purely creative at this at this point. And, um, you know, but that's from being creative from a young age and like – If you're a young artist, I would say something. I would say, you know, if you're getting into it for the money, it's the wrong thing. But if you do good shit that speaks to you and it tells the truth in your own self, I bet you somebody else is going to like it, and it might be more than one, and it might be a lot. And, And the commerce aspect of it may follow. But don't make that anywhere near your first concern. You know, I'm very fortunate, again, and that the commerce, like, followed my my big band. Guns but also, and you
0: rust. made sure, I think it's important to say that, because the second part of that, I know you would say to artists, because it's all your second book, and, and also what you did for a period of your life, is um, live below your means, and yeah. don't fly in a private plane, just because you can actually afford the gas for the one trip, like, yeah. uh, right? Well, I-, I mean... you gotta like don't live uh, like an
1: asshole don't be an asshole yeah
0: don't live like an asshole because you'll fritter it away and then you got to worry about that other shit and obviously that was um important um just two more things quick because um our hour's almost up but um why haven't you written a new book and when will you
1: uh right i think lighthouse is my new book you know i think this grouping of songs i've done around lighthouse is definitely my new book um so, you know another book definitely it's going to be that at some point you know there's so many things i've seen there's almost like a travel book yeah you know there yeah. but a, but a, like a social political and food i mean you can put everything you're, in there you're a good of, writer you, you know. should write
0: another you're a good you're a good prose writer and you should write another book that's like a re, like uh let the like because like uh there's something in that first book, man. You got to write another, like real, like where you really dive in. But I think I would like it as a fan of your, as a writer. I mean, that was the delight for me, right? Reading that book and going, I understand so much more about who this guy is and the music he makes. How do you deal with being a dad to um, um, a recording artist and uh, someone who is, you know, really talented but wants to wants to do this thing? Like, how do you? Yeah. How how do you manage it?
1: I stay out of the way, man. I, I've completely like there when she was great, you're talking about Grace. She's in her mid twenties, she's twenty-six. She's talented it's got the real all the real stuff that that I identify with, like the Iggy and Debbie yeah. Harry. And I'm like, So oh, geez, that's my daughter. But I can't, you know, when she was about seventeen or eighteen, I'm like, Hey Grace, I wrote a riff for you. You wanna, you know, maybe a little sec, yeah, Dad, that's no. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> no 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 and uh okay okay uh, so i stay out i go and that's see awesome
0: her. yeah I'm my daughter's a my... stand-up comic and i don't go i can't go oh, see her. wow i won't go like you know i can't I, she's got to go do her thing she's out every night 18 sets a week or whatever and it's like she's just going and doing oh. it you know how, old is she? how do you do stand-up she's, comedy she's 23 man she just gets up she's also getting her master's in fiction she does but she's really out every night doing stand-up and it's like i can't she's just doing it and once in a while she'll send the gift i'll get is like she'll be like oh a guy heckled me tonight i really want to i'll just send you and she'll send me sometimes like 40 second clip of because she's got to go create so i understand i can't help and she doesn't want my help uh and it's fascinating of course even when you're the fucking duff mckagan at guns they don't want your riff
1: keep your fucking riff. yeah no no she doesn't want my riff. not dad no you do do your thing she appreciates my what i do she like of course you
0: know, she, yeah 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 um, we are we are we are um we're out of time but guys okay. go listen to this album of, of of Duff's it's it's the real thing go uh also check out the, the books the memoir is really special he's made a bunch of solo records a couple of the bands he's in decent bands maybe worth giving a spin uh, too. There were some decent songs uh, spread out on those albums that are maybe worth your time. Duff, Jim Rome. Uh, I, ca- I texted him and I was like, dude, this guy says this stuff. And he's like, ah, oh, Duff's great. He's like, I really want Duff to... He has this pod that's like where he it's his, the reinvention project with Jim Rome where he talks about trying to grow as a person and he's like, Duff's like my, my first choice to be on it. So uh, you, you check in with yeah. Jim who I know you have a special connection to I what he do, does. I do, I really
1: do, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whether he knew it or not, man.
0: I told him again and he'd heard yeah. and I he was th- yeah. so happy to um, hear it. Um, Duff, when you come play through New York, find me, man. I'd love to come and, and see you do your thing. Cheers, sure, man. Thank you. Take care, brother. Be well.